So it is often understood that uh, Benjamin Franklin was the first to say that in life, the two constants were death and tax. The earliest known taxes were around four, maybe 5,000 years ago. They, they came almost as soon as civilizations started to form. In our Bible, in Genesis 47, we see tax being introduced to the Egyptian people when a, a 20% levy is brought by Joseph on the harvest as a means that the people will be able to survive the coming famine. The purpose of tax is so that collectively people can fund activity that is thought to serve the people. For us, it might be healthcare or education or roads, other public works. And for the Romans too, road building, the military, and their government system was funded by the taxes that were collected. And the Roman poll tax was gathered by unpaid contractors. And it was, as a result, widely hated. You know, it was an unjust system. It was charged on everyone in the occupied territories, unless you yourself were a Roman, right? If you were a Roman, you didn't have to pay it. That would make you exempt. The poll tax was therefore charged on oppressed people to fund the system that kept them in oppression. The Pharisees hate this tax. They disagree with it. They think not just that it's unfair, but they think it's against the law. In Deuteronomy, it says that they should not have a king that is not a child of Israel. And so there is a tension they reject Jesus because they long for stability. But the stability of the time that they want to try and keep is actually contrary to what they know God desires. Jesus is bringing change. He's coming to transform lives. But they resist it because it disturbs things. And they fear losing their power. After the three parables that we've heard in recent weeks, the Pharisees want to trap Jesus. Yet there is an element of what could be called plausible deniability in what they're seen to be doing. You know, they're not going to directly confront Jesus in the temple at this time themselves. You know, they'll get somebody else to do it for them. You know, a cutout is sometimes what it's referred to. So they send two groups of people. 
They send their own disciples, those that aren't Pharisees yet, but are learning about the law and learning the ways of the Pharisees. And they send a group of what we find in Scripture are called Herodians. Not a lot's known about them. Clearly the name says that they're followers of Herod. They understand Herod. But they're not referred to outside of Scripture. So they're, they're possibly some sort of political party. Some political group. Some sort of sect that way. Or part of Herod's militia. It's not quite clear which. But it's a group that favour Herod. And therefore with Herod. The Roman authorities. And so what you have. Are Pharisees that are. Anti-Jesus. And the Herodians. That are anti-Jesus. But they're not actually in agreement. With one another. It's not a common group. That is being sent forward. You have different. Understandings. Of the Roman authorities. So if Jesus says. Don't pay the Roman tax. This may accord well with the disciples of the Pharisees. But it would be a breach of Roman law and upset the Herodians. If he says, pay the Herodians, uh, pay, the, pay the tax, that's got to please the Herodians, but upset the students of the Pharisees. You know, it, it, the Pharisees have set it up as a bit like as if they were flipping the coin and it's heads I win, tails you lose. You know, the, whichever way, whether you say pay it, whether you say don't pay it, you've lost. The trap is set for Jesus. And as these groups approach, they say, teacher, rabbi, now, they seem to say it with honesty, but actually it's, it's a bit like in last week's passage, the use of the word friend. You know, friend? That's sort of slightly sarcastic tone. Friend? What have you done? A rabbi is a teacher but they have no wish to learn. They have no wish to discover what Jesus would share with them. They want to teach him a lesson. But that's not what is going to happen. They claim that they know his integrity. They claim that they know he teaches God's way in accordance with the truth. But the very purpose of their presence is to come and ask and question and challenge. And it reveals that they themselves have no integrity. They do not expect to discover anything of God's way as they come close. They are not seeking of the truth. 
They do not want to follow in the way of Jesus. They're happy with who they are already. I wonder if we are also sometimes happy with where we are. We may be happy when we say one thing and do another. When we have sung of Jesus being our king, are we actually thinking that with our heart? Are we thinking that with our heart at that time? Are we thinking that the next day? Are we still honoring him throughout the week? Honoring God with the choices we make about how we live our life, about how we use our money, about how we speak to our neighbor, how we share love, how we react to the things on the news. Indeed, even as we, we sing, even as we gather, even as we sit in the congregation, is our mind wandering to speculate what somebody else in the congregation is doing and what we think is wrong about that? Or are we thinking of how God loves each one here? How God really cares for each one in this congregation, each one that's gathered, each one that's not here this week too. How God cares about what's happening in their life and wants the best for them. The deputation bring Jesus a denarius at his request. Show me a coin. What coin? This coin? It's a bit unclear whether they already had one with him. You know, is there a slight pause in the proceeding while they go and get a denarius? You know, what we have to remember is that this is a day's pay. Not many of us, I guess, are in the habit of having a day's pay with us. You know, ready to hand it over to somebody that's going, oh, let's see what that looks like. You know, in current terms, minimum wage, that's probably about 80 quid. Might take it in the form of a flexible friend. Maybe a double face on a button on our phone, ready to go beep. But they might not have it with them. And maybe not just because of the size of the sum, but because they are in the temple and this is Roman currency they're talking about. And certainly for the Pharisees, it might have felt disrespectful to have brought a picture of Caesar to the temple. So they normally probably wouldn't have. His image Jesus asks. And I guess for most of us, if we've got change in our pocket, we still have an image of the late Queen Elizabeth II. In a few years, it might more likely be an image of Charles III. Either way, the, the monarch 
of the UK at the time of minting. To have an image of Caesar shows a king that is in charge, that is an oppressor. But of course, Caesar thought of himself as more than a king. He considered himself a god, and the society considered that too. And the inscription on the coin of that time referred to his father, who was also considered a god. So he is the son. of a God God's son the coin speaks of a completely different culture a completely different belief system a different loyalty than the faithful would have it speaks of what is happening in that land and also of what is happening in the hearts of many of the people as to maybe where their loyalty lies or where their pain comes from. And Jesus doesn't simply say, pay the tax. He says, give back to Caesar what belongs Caesar. It's not as simple, the translation doesn't come out quite as cleanly as give. Give back. It belongs to somebody else. It's got that picture on it. It's not yours. It's his. The sock with my name. It's not Emmeline's or Noah's or Faith's. It's mine. Give it. Give it to the person it belongs to. One of my tutors at college when we were exploring this 20 years ago um, sort of said, you, you don't get the visuals at the time. And uh, he said, I wonder, I wonder what would have happened if Jesus at the time he said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, had done a sort of gesture. You know, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Go and string them up. You know, that's our intention. Don't get that. But the, there is something here of let's get rid of the oppressor. It's not us. It's nothing to do with us. It's an oppressor. Now, actually, he might have suggested to pay the tax even if the system is unjust and oppressive. We might recall in Jeremiah 29, when God's people have been carried off into exile in Babylon, the prophet instructs the people, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. They've not been carried off in the first century. People have come and occupied. 
But there is a benefit of praying for the good of what is there, for it to prosper. We want a tax system to be just and not overburden those who can least afford it. So those in charge always need prayer. Those making decisions need prayer. Prosperity is not simply a financial thing. It is the general well-being. So for those making decisions on the health service, need prayer. And to all other government departments and civil servants and politicians, those in government, those in opposition, as do the staff supporting MD that we fund with our tax money needs prayer. We need to seek their well-being. We want them to prosper, not with great big pockets full of cash. But in a way that sees the nation flourish and us flourish. And so we pray that God might reveal the right way for them to live and to act and to discharge their duties. But it is not simply prayer and worship that Jesus is calling us to give when he then goes on to say, give to God what is God's. Now, if we are to think of what comes from God, it is everything in all creation. All we have benefited from comes from his goodness to us. His mercy, his grace are his gift. Likewise, his love seen in Jesus. And so when we give to God, we are offering back what is rightfully his. Our time, our talents, our finances, all the blessings we have are to honor him. Some of us, at some point during the year, might have to do a tax return, declaring our income from employment, or from other sources, maybe from property or investments or bank interest. I wonder if we also regularly review in that way what we give to God. That is rightfully God's. Whether we review where our heart is whether we review where our time goes in what we, we contribute, therefore, financially, but also in other ways. What are we giving to God that is God's? We will have an elders' election in November. We, we need the nominations in before the service on the 19th. None of those currently serving about the end of their term of office. But is God calling you to join with them, to give of time and talent in that way? 
Or perhaps you have other gifts that God is speaking to you about. Please do chat with me if that's the case. Maybe God is speaking to you about making a commitment to God. When we think about what is God's, we are God's people. But maybe we need to make that in some new form of fresh commitment. Maybe becoming a church member, if we aren't already one. By joining with the friends here, making that commitment to God and to each other, that you long to see the kingdom grow. And again, I'd love to talk with you. (coughs) At the end of the passage, having said giving to Caesar, giving to God, at the end of the passage, we find the, the Herodians and the Pharisees' disciples are amazed at what they've heard. They're amazed, they're astounded. They can't believe how Jesus has spoken to them. And what did they do with that amazement? They left him and went away. What a complete loss. Before them is the king of love, who cares for them, who amazes them with what he has said. But they walk away because they want to remain comfortable in who they are they don't really want to be challenged in their life they don't want that transformation that Jesus offers even though they can see it even though they can hear it right in front of them They left him and went away. Don't, don't go away. Instead, think of the one that death could not defeat and how we together may serve God's purpose so that collectively we can see the kingdom grow through the offering of all our gifts as we give to God what God rightly deserves. Amen.